What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Divisional Round DFS MVP Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com. As always, with my trusty co-host, Mr. John Daigle, on the road down in Texas. Daigle, what's up, buddy? Doing well, coming off of a odd wildcard weekend, where I know it's not fun to say everyone of course once that slate died on FanDuel on Saturday then everyone said they had the nuts but we really were on throughout the weekend we even talked about it on Friday making sure we stacked Elijah Mitchell Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel all together whenever DraftKings even whenever mid to high stakes closed Brandon Ayuk was six to eight percent I thought we had some really good leverage there on the Saturday slate but alas FanDuel died overnight yeah, I usually play way heavier on DK and I played heavier on FanDuel. So uh, just continuing to run pure in 2022 into 2023 now. So uh, yeah, maybe we'll we'll get it right this week. Uh, speaking of FanDuel versus DraftKings, uh, made it extra fun on us this week. DraftKings giving us the four game main slate. FanDuel uh, making the main slate the single game. So it, it makes everything kind of messy for uh, articles and projections and discussions. Uh, but for today's purposes, um, we will talk about things in the scope of the four game slate and we will uh, mention the two game slate as we go through everything. Uh, before we get into it, reminder that DFS uh, price is down to $14 for the DFS subscription on 4from4.com. But uh, do yourself one better. Just spend five more bucks and get the betting plan. Uh, that'll get you access through the rest of the season. Uh, the betting guys over there talking golf, talking NBA. So um, if you're going to fire up some DFS, you might as well go see what those guys are doing with player props and everything. Um, get your money's worth through the rest of the year. Uh, but as we did last week, we'll go um, game by game, uh, talk about uh, the chalk, the favorite plays, how we're going to attack the games. Again, on, on the two games slated, it's, it's kind of tricky because, um, you know, obviously less options. I, I think two game is my least favorite size for DFS. Um, so the, the four games should be fun. But let's hop into uh, Saturday, starting with the Chiefs favored by eight and a half against the Jaguars over under 53 for the chalk here. Um Mahomes will be chalky at quarterback. All pay up quarterback will be popular um, this week. ETN just fits really nice into lineup, so he'll be quite popular. Jarek, maybe. Um, I, I think I, I might need to bump up his ownership projection a little bit. Uh, Zay Jones um, and, and really all all of the the value receivers, but Zay Jones pops as the cheaper guy um, for the pass catchers, and then Kelsey and Ingram, uh, big tight end slate. Uh, so let's kind of talk about how um, you think this game's going to shake out. What chalk you like? Um, our guy Sharp Clark did a really good write up on, on why he thinks the Chiefs kind of run away with this one, and I, I like that idea a bit. Uh, and I respect Sharp Clark, but I also have different opinions. And I'm kind of of the belief the Jags hang around because we've now seen in their last 10 games, the Chiefs are 2-7-1 and one against the spread. And those two covers came against Bryce Perkins and Jarrett Stidham. Also, we know in this first matchup between these two teams, Jacksonville at least understood you had to try and be aggressive. They opened with that surprise onside kick and recovery, getting the ball at their own 46 to start the game, and then forced a fumble from Isaiah Pacheco. So they basically had four possessions in the first quarter. Yes, they did punt inside their own 50 twice in that situation, but at the same time, I think they understand now that what it takes to uh, to hang around and understanding that you have to score. You have to go point for point with the Chiefs. There is no leaning back and punting. There is no trying to surprise them and play defense on them because that doesn't matter. Also, it's important to remember that Trevor Lawrence is a different player 
at this time of the year. In the first half of the season, he completed 44% of his passes in the red zone for nine touchdowns and three picks. But over the second half of the season, since week nine, he's completed 61.5% of his passes inside the 20 for 14 touchdowns and zero picks, including going five of seven for three touchdowns and no interceptions against the Chargers this past week in that comeback mode inside the red zone. So overall, I actually do have a lot more faith than a lot of people that the Jaguars offense can hang around here, and I expect it to be a higher scoring affair. So how you're building starting with this game for the two-game slate, let's start there. Uh, it really comes down to your own thoughts on what happens in the Eagles-Giants because I think there's a real chance that that game is much more volatile and going low scoring than a lot of people think. Yeah, um, I, I do agree with that. I, I think the way to um, to attack the Saturday slate is definitely go heavy on this one. I, I think there's probably some value in going heavy um, on the Chiefs side because I, I do think the Jaguars players will garner quite a bit of ownership across the board, especially Etienne and Ingram. Um, it, it sounds like you like Jaguars trying to be aggressive if you are leaning on the jaguar side are, are you leaning more on the passing game do you like etn chalk we have etn uh, projected as the most popular running back on the slate especially on FanDuel. um him and cmc are closer on dk but do you like their pass game do you like etn because last week we talked about drawing a line in the sand for those guys or do you think you kind of uh, onslaught the jaguars i think we can with ETN guaranteed to be like the most popular one, that's a situation where I definitely don't mind fading altogether. Right, I agree uh, with that. Remember, he went on a, before they played each other in week 10 against the Chiefs, ETN was once again on a stretch of 300 consecutive 100-yard rushing games. Right. And that's when, of course, they, they removed James Robinson from the equation entirely and just gave him the backfield. But this matchup was one he was stuffed in in a competitive game throughout as well until the Chiefs eventually ran away and made it a two-score situation in the second quarter, but held to 11 carries for 45 yards in this game. And then, yes, we, we saw him last week get over 100 yards and handle 100% every single touch uh, among this backfield in – a roller coaster of game scripts. Like whatever the situation was, ETN was in there getting touches. But we also still know he's not going to get targets. That's the thing here. Uh, he hasn't he hasn't seen more than three targets since week seven. That's something we leaned on last week, even though we thought he was a good play against the Chargers front seven. But the Chiefs rushing defense is completely different. And so knowing we have that information, um, it is a situation where I genuinely do not mind fading ETN. Yeah, I agree that if I'm going to be on on the onslaught of this game, um, especially on Saturday only, I like the the passing in there. Uh, one one really interesting roster construction note on the four game slate is I do really like Travis Kelsey chalk because he's chalk, but he's not like even though it's, it's only a four game slate, he's not blowing the field away in terms of ownership. And if we have a, a slate breaker on the slate, I do think it's Kelsey. Um, and one thing that is really interesting, it's really hard to fit, especially on DraftKings, to fit Kelsey and an expensive running back. So whether it's Saquon or CMC, uh, I, I think people are, especially if we're paying up for quarterback, we're not going to see a lot of those combos. So if you could find a way to jam those in, I think it's going to be a pretty interesting roster construction, especially with so many good passing games and so many expensive wide receivers on the slate um, that I'm kind of prioritizing. Kelsey is one of my payup guys here. Uh, the other two players that I want to talk about on this slate is um, on this game, Jarek McKinnon. I, I'm a, I think I'm a little bit low on his ownership. I have him like a little bit under 
twenty percent on on DK. Um, running backs get used more in Fanduel, so he's up at twenty two to twenty five percent. But I mean, if he's going to be in this tier below CMC, Etienne, and Barkley, um, I think he's a fantastic play, especially on DraftKings. He's a little bit more expensive than Isaiah Pacheco, um, but I mean, we can see McKinnon get major work using the best players in the most important game. Um, obviously, in the passing game, uh, we've seen him get used near the goal line. So I, I really like playing Jarek McKinnon um, with Mahomes. And then especially on the two-game slate where it's really tough to get unique, um, Kadarius Tony. I mean, he's not on the field a lot, but he leads the team in targets per route run when he is on the field. And he's just under Kelsey in yards per route run uh, for the team lead there. So they're going to get him touches. They're going to get him touches near the goal line. I mean, you know, they're, they're trickery. I could see a Tony two touchdown game. My only concern with Tony is that since we know Miko Hardman will be out, I would imagine he's probably high rostered, right? Like we can't even sneak Tony I, in. I would I, think. I, just, I, I don't know if they're like, there's only so much ownership to go around and we have so many good receivers on the slate. Like, I don't know who gets left out. If, um, if we bump up uh, Tony's ownership, like I, I don't see him getting above like 15%. Um, and I think, I think Josh Allen definitely has more ownership than uh, Mahomes on the four game slate. So I, I just don't know how many, how much he gets dragged along in these lineups. Um, Giants value wide receivers are, um, are appealing. Um, yeah. I, I don't think he gets like, like I think 15% is a ceiling ownership. That's interesting. Cause to me, it seems like a situation where, like we talked about with Debo Samuel last week, how he was supposed to be sneaky given that he hadn't done anything, had been injured, didn't yeah. do much in week 18, his first game back. And then you lineups closed with him around 35%, depending on what size field you played. It honestly just seems like a situation where everyone knows about Kadarius Toney. Um, I, I'm going to honestly guess over 20% since he has a salary saver. I bet he eats a lot of the Giants wide receivers pivot because – there really isn't much excitement you're hearing around the rest of the industry for the Giants offense. I think everyone's finally coming around to the idea that if the Giants do hang around, it's probably a low scoring game, but overall, like with Jalen hurts and Lane Johnson, both fully healthy, it seems like a situation where the Eagles should be heavily favored in this one. So I, I don't know. I, I think Tony's going to be quite popular, honestly um, on the two game, maybe sneaks behind the four game, but two game yeah I definitely think he's gonna be popular. sure that that makes sense on, on the four game it's obviously one thing that we're um on these shorter slates late swap um is super important especially when we get uh, a full uh overnight uh to, to think about it but should have a gap between the first and second game on saturday the interesting thing to know if if we on the four game slate if it's kicked off and say Katerius Tony's at 20%. That gives us a lot of information because he's priced really similar to Darius Slayton, Richie James, and Michael Gallup. And I think if Tony ends up, um, and Tyler Boyd as well, but we're not projecting Tyler Boyd a uh, high. I think if Tony comes in at like 20% out of all those guys, I think that means that we can expect Michael Gallup to be like single digits. Um, so I, I would... If you're playing the four game slate, we get kickoff and Tony's 20%. Um, I would really keep in mind that Michael Gallup is going to be your your late swap if you need a, a cheap dart throw come that late game on Sunday night. 
That's completely fair. And like last week, we talked about holding off for the Bucks and or Cowboys. Uh, I am holding off the four-game slate for the Cowboys Niners. We'll talk about it when we get there. I think that game has the most, the highest scoring potential out of any of these games, uh, sneakily anyways. Interesting. Um, in this game, I'm going Kelsey, Jarek, and Tony as my favorite plays. Do you have um, a favorite player on either side? It's Juju for me. Uh, nice. I actually want to pay up for Juju over Tony again, because Tony's salary is so cheap. I just think people will come around to him. And then the last time we saw Mahomes in this matchup, 46% of his passing yards and two of his four touchdowns came in the slot. Uh, They had the most success in the intermediate, intermediate middle level of the field. And that area now with Hardman out, we know is ruled by both Juju Smith-Schuster and Kadarius Tony. Tony, of course, who in week 18, we saw his usage not increase at all. You already mentioned it. What, eight routes, three carries. Um, but he scored a touchdown, and he's, his, his advanced rates behind the scenes are what everyone's chasing here. But if we're assuming yet again his usage won't increase, and we expect him to be, or at least I expect him to be, like over 20%, 30% rostered, it's a situation where I genuinely don't mind being underweight compared to the field. So it really just comes down to how you think these receivers shake out in ownership. And right now I want Juju, uh, who at least you know over the last six games has led the team, and he has been a outside and slot receiver, but he's led the team in routes, routes run from the slot. And so I think he's going to take up the most time in the middle of the field in this contest, and that's where I want him. Yeah, interesting. I, I might have to bump down like Gallup's again. I think maybe I bumped down Gallup's like five percent. We have him at twelve and a half percent right now, I, so that that would make a difference. We'll, we'll get there, but uh, yeah, I think I think Ty Hilton's a better play than Michael Gallup. Interesting. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at like the salary similarity and and seeing who would get squeezed out there. Um, the second game on Saturday, I think, is maybe the most interesting from an ownership perspective. Um, The Eagles favored by seven and a half against the Giants, 48 points. You already mentioned, um, and Sharp Clark also mentioned his write-up, under very much in play in this game. Uh, Probably don't see as much throwing from the Giants. Um, That was obviously very game game plan specific against the Vikings. It's just easy to do that. Uh, The only players we have projecting is big chalk in this game, Jalen Hurts and Saquon Barkley. Um, Pass catchers for the Eagles, like maybe Goddard gets um, some action because it's it's a tight end slate, um, but not a lot of ownership. The Giants pass catchers projecting for moderate ownership, but they're all going to kind of cannibalize each other. Um, and people, maybe people are, are hot on Hodgins, so maybe he comes in a little higher than expected, but um, there's not a lot of ownership in this game. And I, I don't think it's one that we're going to onslaught for the, the reasons I think you're going to discuss, but I do think there are some really interesting skinny stack options here. And with Jalen Hurts removed from the injury report as of Tuesday, Lane Johnson limited for rest throughout the week, and then on Friday gets a full practice in, removed from the injury report altogether. I just think the Eagles are all systems go. And if that's the case, it's just a a very unfavorable situation for the Giants, who Brian Dable, coach of the year, I I think unanimously. If Kyle Shanahan gets the award, it's the upset of the seasons, considering no other coach would have brought this heap of whatever to the playoffs except for Brian Dable, let alone to the divisional round. And then not to mention that, remember, the Eagles had success on the ground as well with Miles Sanders, 140 yards and two touchdowns the last time these two teams played at full strength, not including week 18. Uh, We've also seen the last two games Hertz has played against the Bears and then week 18. uh, 
A.J. Brown has recorded a 39% target share against man coverage. Remember in that Bears game in Week 15, which Jalen Hurts sprained his shoulder in the first quarter and still set a season high in fantasy points in that contest with 37. Nick Sirianni came out after the game, since Sanders didn't get his first touch till the six-minute mark of the second quarter, and said that was the game plan. Like the Bears were on a lot of single high safety, thus the read was removed from Jalen Hurts altogether, and just said if it's going to be one-on-one on the outside, chuck it to A.J. Brown and give him a contested catch situation. That's the offense. And as we know, Wink Martindale leaves his cornerbacks out on islands for the league's highest rate of man coverage. So if we just think A.J. Brown's going to be a man coverage on the outside the entire time, he's my favorite play I would argue in both slates the two game and the four game because I think he's so expensive that maybe he goes a little overlooked so I think your skinny stacks or maybe even double stacks with Jalen Hurts they should begin with AJ Brown out of all the players yeah I love AJ because if we're looking at the high salary range wide receivers everybody's going to play Jamar and and Stephon Diggs um maybe CD Lamb a bit but I, I think AJ Brown on the four game slate comes in under 20%. Um, on the two game slate, obviously, there's fewer options, but um, uh, I, I think the early uh, game pass catchers are will dominate ownership on that slate. So I think a skinny stack with um, Hertz and AJ Brown is my favorite way to attack this game. I'm like pretty close on the four game slate, at least. I'm pretty close to a full fade of the Giants on this slate, um, especially expensive Saquon uh, as big underdogs. The the one spot that I do like is if you play Danny Dimes with the single stack, and I actually think Richie James is in a better spot than Isaiah Hodgins because Eagles have been worse against the slot than they have against perimeter wide receivers, um, even though even though we saw uh, Richie James play less snaps than we expect last week, but the, they should be behind. But uh the reason I like like skinny Danny Dimes is because so many people are going to be paying up for Mahomes, uh, um, Jalen Hurts, and Josh Allen that he does kind of help you flip the build a little bit. Now, people are going to use him sometimes because it's a short slate, but as I mentioned, something like on DraftKings, like if you're trying to fit in, Kelsey and CMC, there just aren't going to be a lot of lineups to do that because people are going to pay up for quarterback. So skinny Danny Dimes makes sense for roster construction purposes, but I really prefer to be on the Eagles side. I, I think even on the four game slate, skinny stack is okay. On the two game slate, I like the idea of playing Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders together. My, on paper, Miles Sanders has the best running back matchup of the week. Giants bottom 10 in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. Uh, he is kind of in this weird salary range where I, I think he's probably gets to be the odd man out. Um, 5,700 is close to Jarek McKinnon. Pollard might be right around there in terms of ownership. So I, I don't think Miles Sanders is like sniffs 30% ownership. Uh, what do you think about Sanders this week? Of course, I like Sanders a lot. And we talk about paying down. I think even more so than skinny stacking this game, I would much rather just go to Brock Purdy than Daniel Jones, who I think is a much better play on the four-game slate. Uh, gotcha. On the two-game slate, sure. I, I think I would still choose Trevor Lawrence over Daniel Jones as yeah. well. We talked about this on Move the Line. I'm just up in the air. I, I genuinely don't know how Dable plays this, knowing he caters his offense to the game plan, which a lot of coaches don't do. Uh, Dable does whatever is best and whatever he thinks can help win the most. Um, Daniel Jones, for example, averaged 
four design carries per game during the regular season. And in the last matchup, not week 18, the last matchup, all these teams played together, um, only two design runs in the first game against Philly. But during the wild card, Daniel Jones had a season high 11 design runs for seven first downs. And that obviously, that season high 17 carries took away from Saquon Barkley, who still ran a route on all but five dropbacks for the Giants. So like he's out there for every down, no big deal, getting pass catching work. But really you're asking yourself, what do the Giants feel is best to win this game? Do they take away possessions and slow it down and make it ugly? Because if so, then the Giants definitely don't get there for fantasy. Or do they feel like they, like a Jaguar situation, have to match the Eagles point for point in order to win? And that's what I, I genuinely don't even know that answer. I'm still trying to figure it out because that's going to dictate how much Giants you should have, at least in the two-game slate. Yeah, definitely. Um, the the two gamer, I, I think I'm I, I lean more into some some Giants doubles. Um, again, maybe without I, I I don't love Saquon on this slate. Um, either either way, but there really isn't a Darius Tony in this game for me. Um, we we didn't mention Goddard. I like Goddard in in two tight end builds especially. But I mean, is there a, a deep dart throw like a sub ten percent guy in this game? Because I can't really find one. I mean, Travis Kelsey's so expensive that it almost makes him somewhat contrarian to pay up for him uh, because sure. him and Mahomes already take away so much of your salary. So I think paying up for tight end is still the best. Otherwise, then I might say Daniel Bellinger. Yeah, um, but, I, yeah. but I am open on the two-game slate. I don't think I'm going too tight into the four-game because the receiver slate, especially when we get to Sunday, is so good. Like, I want to play every single one of those receivers. But in the yeah. two game, I'm definitely open to, like, Kelsey Dallas Goddard. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, um, actually. Uh, and, yeah, I I think I, if, we're, if we're going, like, pay down tight end, I think I probably like Hayden Hurst more, 3,200 DK uh versus three thousand on uh for for bellinger and then five thousand on fanduel for hayden hurst 4900 for bellinger um but yeah those are the only those are the only uh bellinger's the only like cheap contrarian guy but i'm glad you mentioned the two tight end thing because uh it is a tight end slate and i think on these shorter slates people think two tight end uh maybe it'll be a little bit unique um, on DraftKings, I have Titans projecting for 130% cumulative ownership right now. That means almost a third of lineups will probably be rolling out two tight ends. So I agree with you. Um, if you run some optimals or run things through a lineup generator, you're going to see tight end come out a lot. I think a lot of people are going to click that because um, I, th I think people are going to want to try to get uh, you know access to these surprisingly pretty good uh, tight ends on this slate. So I do agree with you. I think uh, trying to get away from two tight end builds is actually really important um, for this slate. And we actually had someone ask that in the chat if double tight end is in play. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people are going to realize it's in play and and I like trying to get um, go against it. Any other um, thoughts on the uh, Saturday slate in general or this game? I do like Eagles defense a lot, actually. I'll have more as we move into this next Bengals Bills game. I will have overall building thoughts on the four game slate, but for the two games specifically, yeah, I think, of course, Jarrett McKinnon and Kadarius Tony are in play and on slots with Patrick Mahomes. I prefer Christian Kirk to Zay Jones significantly, given that the slot is where the Chiefs are top five and receiving yards per game allowed. Um, so I'm willing to chase that over Zay Jones. And then A.J. Brown is someone I, I want in, honestly, 100% of lineups in the four-game slate. 
Yeah. Um, just to reiterate what you said for the two game slate, I'm way more likely to onslaught that early game. Um, don't love onslaughts um, really in too many spots in the four game slate. Um, I like Darius Tony to be contrarian in that game. And then I'm much more likely to play Hertz and Sanders on the two game slate. Don't love them together on the four gamer again, because we have so many options and it's going to be hard for them to, um, to hit perfectly with so many um, good games for, for DFS purposes. So more likely to do that on the two gamer love AJ Brown uh, across the board. Um, even if you're playing him standalone in the four gamer, AJ Brown's probably my favorite pay up wide receiver of the slate. Uh, let's move on to Sunday. Um, this game will get uh, a, a lot of attention, maybe not quite as much as that first game, but Bills favored by five and a half against the Bengals, uh, 49 point over under. For the chalk, we got uh, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Jamar Chase. Bills defense will be pretty popular because they are not very expensive, even though they are the home favorite. Um, how do you like this game to shake out? Any of those chalk players stand out to you? I actually think this game has some pretty bad chalk in it. I do too, and this game we were expecting. I, I think we're both expecting to carry the highest ownership in the four four game slate, right? Um, Bengals Bills think, logically just seems to get people excited. I, I, I so. think Jaguars will have more cumulative ownership because they're more affordable. Um, okay, it's going to be hard to like like double these guys is going to be pretty tough. But um, yeah, uh, this game will be right neck and neck with the the early game. All right, I I am admittedly worried about this game and also think it's much more volatile than people are giving it credit for, which is what makes me in the two game slate even want to be a little underweight and go straight to the next one. And the next one again is what I'm most excited about for the four game as well, given the potency of both the Niners and Cowboys offenses. But for this one, remember Burrow engineered that opening drive touchdown on Monday night against the bills, but was only missing Lyle Collins at that point. Uh, in his last 11 quarters, though, no Collins, no Alex Kappa at right guard, left tackle Jonah Williams, lost for what looks like the postseason. And in that span, Burrow has averaged 5.7 yards per attempt for three touchdowns and two picks. Having said that, if you're to play devil's advocate, uh, we also know, much like how the Bills are just so excited to be done playing the Dolphins, who compete with them every game, the, the, the Ravens have had the Bengals number all year long. That's the only defense, actually, the Ravens, who kept Burrow to less than seven yards per attempt in all three, all three games they played. Burrow went one for eight on throws 20 yards downfield for 3.3 yards per attempt in three games against the Ravens this year. Against every other team, he completed 41% of his shots 20 yards downfield for 14 and a half yards per attempt. Uh, the issue, though, because then you can say, okay, well, it's the Ravens' defense and also the Ravens' understanding they play two-eye coverage against the Bengals. They play two-eye coverage on 57% of defensive snaps. You can also look and say, well, the Bills play two-eye coverage and take away deep shots at the seventh-highest rate in the league. So we actually think then maybe with three missing offensive linemen, with the Bills taking away downfield shots, then maybe it's actually an underneath passing game, get rid of the ball quickly kind of scheme. And then thus that limits the actual ceiling of this, of this performance in this game. So that's kind of the way I am looking at it personally right now. Um, you mentioned Hayden Hurst. I would just, I would just warn everyone. This doesn't mean anything, but because Hayden Hurst, I did come in thinking he's a unique pivot, but also uh, the bills haven't allowed a, a touchdown to a tight end all year long. So it would be the first if Hayden Hurst scores. Um, and so, yeah, I think there are ways to get sneaky. I think Tyler Boyd is a good pivot in the four game slate. He's going to be, you know, 6% roster. No one's going to see it coming, even though the slot 
is where the Bills have been the most susceptible to receiving production on the year. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I think I, I discussed the way to build for four-game slate here. And we already talked about how we love all the receivers, especially on Sunday. Lots of good players here in this slate. If that's the case and you don't want to like chase with everyone and eat two tight ends because that takes away from our ceiling. And then if you don't want to like not play one of these amazing receivers, I think, I think a good way to do it for the four game slate is to basically eat the, eat the points at RB two and just say, this is my sacrificial lamb. And yet in saving the salary, I can still get up to McCaffrey and AJ Brown and all these other great players. And that's the case. I actually do think Samaji P runs live on this slate because he ran even on the four gamer, even on the four gamer. Yes. Uh, he's stone men on DraftKings, literally the minimum. And he ran 22 routes to Joe Mixon's 10 this past week. He got out touch 14 to two, but he was still out there for more passing downs. And if that's the case, I really think like three to five catches in his, in his range of outcomes in this game. If we think it's going to be a quick hitting scheme with missing more offensive linemen and, he could clearly get there on that kind of usage. So I do think Piran is actually quite live for the four games. Interesting. Interesting. I like that because I was going to say, I think um, one of the ways that I really like attacking this game is through the running backs because um, both teams are typically so pass heavy. And I think people are just going to think about that and want to play the past game. C dig C Jamar C Allen want to play that, but I hadn't thought about Piran um, on the other side. I, I think, I don't think many people are going to play Devin Singletary. I think James Cook is, is kind of the sexier name right now. They've been splitting time, but over the last four games, Singletary is in on 60% of the red zone snaps compared to uh, 22%, sorry, 29% for James Cook. So, uh, and I think they probably trust Singletary and Pass Pro a little and, bit more. Um, and to, to add to that story, like as someone who touted James Cook last week and played him everywhere, I will tell you, although we got there, we got lucky. Because like James mm -hmm. Cook even only ran nine routes to Singletary's 22. He just happened to score the rushing touchdown from outside the 10-yard line. So uh, James Cook, if he's going to come in higher roster than the Singletary, to your point, Singletary is the better play. Because again, uh, we got lucky and I'm very well aware of it with Cook last week. Yeah, um, obviously on the two-gamer, we're not fading these passing offenses. I, I just like being a little bit lighter than uh, the field on the four-game slate. I, I do think I'm much more likely to um, onslaught the earliest game or the latest game than this one, um, both, both for salary and ownership concerns. Uh, I, I think if I'm playing Allen, I'm, I'm not skinny, but um, you know maybe more doubles than like maxing it out on, on the four-game slate. Uh, I do. If Isaiah McKenzie um, does return to action, sounds, sounds like, like he he's will. good to go. Um, yeah, yeah I, I do like him as sneaky play. You can you can attack the Bengals uh, in the slot a little bit. I think Bengals defense is very much in play here. Uh, Josh Allen led the league in uh, turnover worthy uh, plays according to PFF, and uh, you know people are just going to play the favorites. Um, not a lot of, not a lot of ownership. Bengals are pretty cheap defense. I really like the Bengals defense. You could play the Bengals defense um, against the uh, bills offensive players. We saw last week, high scoring uh, fantasy defenses against uh, in spots where they allowed a lot of points. So you can get fantasy points um, even if you give up a lot of points, but uh, I, I think there's a chance this game is a little bit sloppier than people expect. Uh, I think uh, the running backs um, are very much in play here and I, going to be uh stacking this game lighter than i i typically like to I, I really like going heavy on the bills here but this slate is um 
it's a great one for uh for for DFS and for fantasy scoring and I think this is probably the most disappointing game in terms of overall scoring of the week. I agree um and again my only issue is that I do think this one's going to carry the most ownership especially in the two game which is why uh I I want to be underweight honestly overall from these plays and I, I'm looking more at the ancillary pieces like I don't mind Stephon Diggs but I'm looking more at Tyler Boyd Samaji P Ryan and Dawson Knox more than anything uh yeah we and Isaiah McKenzie some- yeah, we, we didn't mention um, Knox, actually. I'm glad you said that because he should be – we already talked about Kelsey and um, Ingram, but then uh, Schultz and Goddard probably carry more ownership than Knox. So there's a chance on this four-game where Knox is like around that 10% range, which is really low for um, a four-game slate. But, yeah, I, I like – I agree with you too. Um, I like the running backs. I like McKenzie. I think my favorite plays are probably – Singletary and Bengals defense. Um, and to your Tyler Boyd point, remember going back to that uh, Kadarius Tony talk in that salary range. If Kadarius Tony comes in 20%, I mean, we're already projecting Tyler Boyd low, but he might be like two or three percent if Tyler, oh, yeah. if, no if Kadarius Tony comes in at 20. Yeah, um, I like that a lot. Um, all right, I this last game, um, it's a really intriguing game because the Total is low. Um, Niners are home favorites, but uh, the the spread is um, only four points. Uh, we're not seeing a lot of Niners or um, uh, Cowboys in optimals. Uh, CMC will find his way into lineups that don't use Kelsey um, and Debo, and and that's pretty much it. it that's pretty much it as far as chalk. Maybe Dalton Schultz climbs up a little bit, um, but this game is going to get uh, for the most part overlooked as overlooked as you could get on a four gamer um but it has a couple things going for it which you're going to talk about not to mention like sunday night hammer on a four game slate uh we get all the information with chance to late swap as much as possible which i love and we saw last week everyone jumped the gun and dak prescott came in at four percent in the three-day slate we talked about it cd lamb was what 17 percent, something crazy yeah. that he was the, arguably one of the best plays on the slate against yeah. the Bucks, But overall, yeah, we, we have a 48-hour rest advantage because the NFL doesn't know what they're doing for the 49ers. <laughs> and then, yes, uh, I understand Brock Purdy had, you know, this is a Cowboys defense that just forced Tom Brady to throw. From snap to throw, he registered 2.4 seconds in between pressures. Um, but I will say, like, pro football focus keeps track of this these kind of metrics. And Purdy on the year has been under pressure in less than two and a half seconds on 51% of his dropbacks, the seventh highest rate in the league. And he's completed 73% of those passes for the third most yards per attempt, eight yards per attempt on the year. Uh, And so I think it's, although this will be the toughest defense he's played all year, it's just a situation giving where both teams are susceptible that we think both passing offenses can succeed with ease. Like you already mentioned Debo Samuel, and of course, like I'm yet again removing George Kittle from the equation. We talked about it because now we've seen Debo Samuel in four stars with Brock Purdy. He in week 13 had a 24% t- target share for the team high. Um, in week 14, tied for the team high with a 21.7% target share. Week 18, still a 15% target share, but that was his first game back. And then the wild card round, a team high 30% target share. You could argue Purdy has an even more rapport with Debo than he does with Kittle. At the same time, that suppresses the ownership in DFS of Brandon Ayuk, who is yet again in an amazing spot because last week, the entire 49ers team quietly combined for two catches for 15 yards from the slot. Essentially, all of their receiving production came from the boundary, 
And that was against the Seahawks defense with Tariq Woolen allowing the fewest yards per target to opposing receivers from out wide. Now it's a Dallas defense, which has allowed three more touchdowns from outside than any other team since week 10 over the second half of the year. They are prone to big plays from the boundary, and that's where Brandon Ayuk is going to be. So I do think stacking, same approach as last week. McCaffrey, Purdy, Debo, and Ayuk, like all together, is absolutely in play here. Uh, Ayuk, I think um, I, I would venture to say he's my favorite wide receiver on the entire slate. Uh, of the eight teams remaining, no player over the last month has more uh, higher air yard share than Brandon Ayuk, 38.2% over that span. Uh, as you mentioned, this is a, a spot where I think he absolutely blows up after the usage, combined usage of CMC and Debo last week. Um, I, I think Debo's ownership comes in quite high. Brandon Ayuk isn't going to be under-owned um, or low-owned, like per se. He's going to be like in that 20 percentage range, but on a four-game slate, that's pretty dang low, and I, I think Debo will be well over 30%. So uh, I, I really like the um, non-Debo pass catchers for the 49ers. And, I mean, we've seen Kittle is – his touchdown equity with, with Purdy is literally higher than we've ever seen in his career. Uh, so we're going to get a possible slate breaker with, uh, with Kittle, who I won't sniff the ownership of – uh, Ingram, Kelsey, um, maybe Goddard and Schultz. So uh, we got a really nice contrarian play there. Um, on the Cowboys side, I mean, it's kind of CD for, for me. This is a CD smash spot. There are, like you, you mentioned, T.Y. Hilton, um, but I, I think this is really just another CD game. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, CD is yet again one of the best plays on the entire slate. Like Dallas's matchup against the Bucks last week, the slot is where the Niners have been exploited for the fourth most receiving yards per game and the third most touchdowns. So any Dak stacks, you definitely bring along CD. It's interesting because the Niners and Cowboys have been two top five defenses in fantasy points per game to opposing tight ends. So not only do we want to keep fading Kittle, but I also think following a two-touchdown performance, you can fade Dallas, uh, Dalton Schultz as well. And if that is the case, as you mentioned earlier, people will gravitate naturally to Michael Gallup. But Michael Gallup is not the type of player I'm playing in DFS. Like He's been over 50 yards in only one game all year. Uh, it, it is literally a touch. He's literally a tight end. He's just touchdown or bust. And if I'm paying 5K for a tight end listed at wide receiver, there's no way. So I don't want any part of that. I'd rather go down. We talk about salary savers. I'd rather keep going down to T.Y. Hilton, who is at least getting more and more work every week from the boundary. And as we know, if you can bide enough time, and, and the Cowboys can bide enough time, the 49ers are susceptible. They are top five in yards per game on throws 20 yards downfield. And that's where T.Y. Hilton's ADOT is. Uh, Hilton's Route participation has increased in every game since week 16 with the Cowboys since he's been active, including a season high 51% of routes on Dak's dropbacks in the wildcard game. So we expect him to basically keep rendering Noah Brown useless and maybe even be around 60, 65% route participation in this game. And if that's the case, one, one big play at 3,100, I believe it's on DraftKings, under 3,500 is all you need. So I prefer Dak doubles with CD and T.Y. Hilton as opposed to Schultz or Gallup. T.Y. Hilton. Hilton and Samaj P. Ryan ship us a million dollars. Um, 
where that, that's going to be that's going to be a really fun one and i mean it's hard to find those those single digit ownership guys on these slates um i actually like that call a, a lot um i i haven't really thought about ty hilton um the 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 one other player that i think is really important to mention here tony pollard he's his salary is like right in that travis Etienne, jarek mckinnon range He's just going to get squeezed to death. I, I think he could like people are going to click on him, but Zeke with getting goal line work are, are going to keep keep it under twenty percent. Like I could see us getting to to Sunday night, and we have him projected. Uh, Tony Pollard projected in this fifteen to twenty percent range. I could see us getting here, and, and when all said and done, he's down at like ten or eleven percent. Um, he's and you, offering. Der- Go ahead. Oh, I'd say, and you wonder like if Tony Pollard's margin outtouched Zeke 18 to 14. You wonder if it's even higher, which it would be if that wasn't a blowout game last week. So like if it's competitive, we may see like the largest margin in terms of Pollard's touches over Zeke we've seen all year long. Yeah. And I mean, if we're, if we're talking about you, you liking, um, you liking Purdy stacks, if we're talking about stacking this game, especially on the Sunday only slate, I mean, if this game is going to go off um, the most explosive player, on either team, Tony Pollard is probably going to have something to say about that. Those quick scores, those short drives, uh, Pollard is going to help you get there. So I, th- I actually think Pollard opposite of 49ers decks makes a lot of sense. After Devin Singletary, I think Pollard is, well, McKinnon is my favorite running back play, but but I think Pollard is is right up there um, as my favorite. Like I like contrarian running back on this slate. I'm getting off of CNC and CMC and Saquon is, is pretty attractive to me. Like you're going to play them, but go ahead. And I don't even, I don't even know if it's all in contrarian again. I, yeah. I think the way the structure sets up is I would rather eat that RB two position. If we do not yeah. foresee the ceilings of the expensive options, I just want to be able to to take the points there instead of wasting points on like Michael Gallup and like, oh, the, and like, instead of like, allowing us to not play for receivers in the slate because the receivers in the slate are significantly better than the running backs. And I'm still fine with Christian McCaffrey. I think he's an awesome play, especially because Elijah Mitchell, like how long can he keep doing this? Honestly, like we had two touchdowns on five carries in week 18, and then he had a receiving score on only four routes in the wild card. Like, uh, you know, we keep asking how long can Brock Purdy do this? How long can Jarrett McKinnon do this? Like how long can Elijah Mitchell keep doing this? So (laughs) I I do think it's a competitive game. We see a lot. We don't see that much of Elijah Mitchell would be great for McCaffrey, but again, it depends how you, the narrative you're spinning for yourself in this contest. Yeah. I don't, I don't hate the CMC play. I just think people will uh, like at eight K on DK, which I mean, it's expensive, but it's not like uh, it's not crazy restrictive. I think people are just going to click CMC because um, he's late. Uh, it, it, it gives you flexibility in that Sunday night um, uh, ownership. So, I mean, you can play CMC and if you have, more than one player in this game, you could swap to Tony Pollard depending on um, how, if you're behind uh, Tony Pollard uh, from CMC is a very fine late swap. Assuming you have um, someone else in the game to, um, to work around with that salary. I mean, late swap again, especially with, um, with a two day slate, we have tons of time to analyze late swap to get those ownership projections uh, from the Saturday slate and, and really get a, a really good idea of what it's going to look like come Sunday. So uh, we'll definitely be talking about that on discord on, on Sunday morning. When we get to look at all the ownership of the, the players uh, we can really know where we're right, where we're wrong and what we can expect from ownership. Um, 
any any last thoughts on um, the Sunday slate alone or the four game slate as a whole and how you want to be building? I am still personally debating how much you lose by playing Brock Purdy in the four game over a Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. I don't think you lose that much, man. I, I oh, really don't. I, that, I think that I'm going overweight. I, I I don't think you lose that much because if people are because these lineups that are going to play expensive quarterback with either um, CMC or, or Kelsey Brock Purdy is going to allow you to get another, we, we like the receivers, another uh, pay up wide receiver in a build that a lot of people aren't going to have, especially if you're stacking him without CMC or Debo. Um, I, I don't know if I would do that. If I'm playing Purdy, I probably want Debo in there, but um, I mean, you could play Purdy, Ayuk, Kittle and, and have a pretty unique build, but I think plenty of, I don't think you're losing that much ceiling because the, I mean, the, the salary that you're spending on, you know, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs on, on Kelsey Mahomes um, lineups is, is so high. Like, I love the Kelsey Mahomes stack, but um, I, I really don't think you're giving up a lot of ceiling with Purdy lineups. All right. Well, Purdy is definitely live then. Um, more so, and, and I like him and Dak again. I like waiting along a lot of my spots, uh, you know, four or five spots to this last game on Sunday for the four game. And then for the two game Sunday, yeah, I, I guess the, the one call would be being underweight on Bills and Bengals, which could pop off. But again, I think there are reasons to to understand that it's more volatile than a lot believe. Yeah, Sunday only um, onslaughting this late game, I think, is absolutely the move. Um, on the four-game slate, I'm just not going to have a lot of onslaughts. If I do, it'll probably be that first game, which will be scary because then you're just hoping to um, hit and hold, which is is always tough to do, uh, but uh, it, it can happen. But I, I'm really intrigued with this uh, late game for the Sunday only. The ownership overall is pretty damn flat for a four game slate. So I think no matter how you're building, you you can confidently build um, some unique combinations, uh, especially if we're throwing in the players that we mentioned. I like Kadarius Tony. You think he's going to be too owned. Um, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Hopefully he's not crazy, but the running backs in the bills Bengals game, AJ Brown, um, Brandon Ayuk, th those are plays that I'm leaning hard on this week. Any uh, specific plays that you're hammering? I know you love P. Ryan, but uh, in Ryan mode, you got two or three that you're definitely going overweight on. Yeah, I mean, I think I think P. Ryan and Brandon Ayuk on a four game slate is probably yeah. good enough for the hot takes. But uh, yeah, yeah, Christian Kirk over Zay, we already mentioned. I I'll flag plant that one. Um, and I do like Purdy. I, I think 49ers onslaughts are definitely live. Purdy, Debo, McCaffrey, and Ayuk. Um, and yeah, that's probably about it. Tyler Boyd also an ancillary piece I'm interested in. And then AJ Brown in every single tournament lineup. AJ Brown in every tournament lineup. I love it. AJ, take us home for it. Divisional round. Um, that does it for the divisional round show. Uh, hope everybody has a good and successful and profitable weekend. As always, if you haven't signed up yet, get that DFS account for uh, just 14 bucks. That'll get us in the discord. Um, we were chatting it up in discord all weekend last week. And as you said, we had a good week except for FanDuel canceling the nuts on us, but uh, we'll run it back again this week. It'll be super important on Sunday to be in that discord uh, when we have all of that information from the Saturday slate. If you're watching on YouTube, please like the video, please subscribe to the channel. If you're listening on the, uh, on your favorite podcast platform, please give us a five-star rating and review, and you can follow us on Twitter. Twitter, 
Daigle is at not J Daigle. I'm at TJ Hernandez. Four for four is at four for four football. We will talk to you guys next week.